Welcome to Cube and Chaos. Spend some time with us, enjoying old cars and new, whether they are weak or powerful. Hey everyone, what's up? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of Cube and Chaos. I'm Max. And I'm Jacob. Welcome. So, we just finished the Proliferate Cube season, um, and I think you played more of that than I did, and it sounds like you really enjoyed the format. So do you want to tell us oh, yeah, a bit about that? Yeah, so um, the Proliferate Cube was uh, designed by Emma Handy, and um, it was only on online for a week. I would have liked a bit more, but um, as we'll come to later, I even more wish for it to come back to us like in half a year or maybe a year. Um so what it was about was, as the name said, proliferate, which is a an ability that puts a counter of each type that is on a permanent or player another one of these counters there. When you say a counter of each type, you mean even if there's a plus one, plus one, and minus one, minus one counter, <laughs> you're proliferating both. Yes, which is a bit hard to pull off since they normally cancel each other out, but if you there is a card in there that does both it puts a minus one minus one counter on the thing and then immediately proliferates and it can come up come up that you uh proliferate both those counters and then they immediately disappear because they cancel each other out and i mean this is just an example for how complex this format was and that is one of the things i really enjoyed like it's a very thin format so it was it felt very free in that everything was kind of synergizing with everything but uh, that also means that you really have to reevaluate cards. And I think that was one of the greatest things about it. And one week's not enough to solve the format. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I would say one of the biggest challenges Wizards has is trying to make the game appealing to like veteran players and beginners, um, especially in terms of complexity. Um, so when you have a format that is only showing up on Magic Online, uh, which not too many new players use, um, I think it's a really good niche to showcase those really complex interactions that uh, make Magic such an interesting game. Yeah, and I think this format not only had um, complex uh, rules interactions, but also yeah and uh, complex card evaluation but also complex board states could happen like with onboard tricks and um yeah you really needed to pay attention to to what was going on absolutely proliferating onto the opponent's ether vial in response to the activation that kind of thing yeah that um, that is a thing that that came up well almost came up for us once <laughs> we drafted together right. so yeah um it was for me like a lot of fun to explore the interactions of cards it was it was a lot of it was very good to um, read emma's design article um that we will also link since it just gave a nice insight into what was planned but also if you are drafting one of those spotlight cubes just read these articles if the designer of the article tells you that this card might not look so great but is actually first pick material or near bomb status in this format just give them some credit to their own format and 
like pick those cards when you get the fifth pick. You might win your first draft with them. Yeah. Ideally, uh, the person who created the format knows a little bit of what they're talking about. Though, uh, one thing that we talked about earlier is when a format like this makes the transition onto Magic Online, things play out so much differently than they do in testing. Um, and so that yeah. is reflected in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, that is true. Though, um, this format was designed for Magic Online. It did not exist as a paper cube beforehand or for other purposes. It was like um, Emma was tasked or asked if she could design a cube for Magic Online as a spotlight cube, and that is what she did. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a great job. I mean, I'll be honest, I <laughs> I'm envious, but Emma's great, and I'm uh, glad to you know know that she got her place in the spotlight, if you will. Um, yeah. And one thing that I think you agree with her um, on is uh, a slight dislike for sweepers, since this cube was um, very much about the board state, because most of the counters are on creatures, some are on players, a few of them, and a little bit more are on artifacts or other permanents, uh, but really most are on the creatures, so there are very few real board wipes, like There was Black Sun Zenith and then a few damage-based ones. But there was no Wrath of God or multiple Wrath of God in white or something like that. Yeah, I think there was the the one with Awaken, Planar Outburst maybe. I'm not sure if I'm getting that name right. Um, but yeah, yeah you're, you're absolutely right about my slight dislike of Wraths. I think they're appropriate in, uh, well, especially a lot of the standard Magic Online cubes that we see, standard in the Uh, lowercase sense um, and I would say that they're also in a really tricky place because you want to be able to make games interactive and interesting at any point you don't want it to be uh, that the player who's behind knows they're drawing dead before they you know see their draw step but at the same time you want to make it so uh, that person who worked so hard to get all the creatures onto the battlefield um, didn't just lose the game for doing that because generally that is that deck's only way to win. So I really like to try to uh, find this balance by putting two for ones, um, things that can kill sometimes multiple creatures or a creature that can uh, enter the battlefield and kill one other thing. Um, sometimes those cards are incredibly strong, too good for uh, the cube, but I think that generally with formats that are a bit weaker, um, you don't want to put too many sweepers in or uh, you're just <laughs> you're just punishing people for doing what their deck is trying to do. And that doesn't feel good either. Yeah, it definitely is something to at least think about if they are needed and um, if they encourage the kind of gameplay you want. In some cubes, they are necessary for sure. But right. yeah, just, just think about what you're doing there and... Emma made a decision for her cube, and I think it turned out well. But that uh, can lead to board stalls, and she specifically also addressed that with some cards. And overall, I think there were some very smart decisions going into building this cube. Though, I have to say, I did have a few small gripes. And the first one is not really her fault. Um, she was tasked to 
put it at 600 cards. Originally, I think she got later the, the option to cut it down to 540. They changed their mind a bit, Wizards. Um, but I think 600 is a little bit too big for for a cube that is this themed. Because at some point, you're really starting to run a little bit thin on themes, on the cards that fit these themes, if you want to stay with Singleton. And um, I think it just made it harder than necessary to, to build this cube. And it does not give much to it. And with that comes that I felt like it, in some ways the cube felt a little bit unpolished. And um, with that I mean that there are a few cards where I feel like they don't have a home anywhere um, because they are just too weak. They like kind of um, interact with a few cards, but even then, in my opinion, are not strong enough. Um, but even weirder was... Um, for my in my taste um, are some suspend cards that are in there and even though they say a counter on them they don't interact with a lot of the counter synergies that are in the cube because only very few cards can add or remove i think in this cube actually only one clock spinning can remove or add cards uh, counters to uh, cards that are in exile and like all of the other things that count counters or i don't know they just don't interact with suspend while it's in exile. So. Yeah. Uh, kind of corny joke, but those suspend cards might as well have the word counter on them as in counter target spell. Um, and it would be comparably synergistic. But um, So you want to suspend go... them. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, going back to um, the first thing you said, I think that actually, um, and this is an interesting idea in my opinion i think that uh kind of illustrates a tension between just having a synergistic cube and having a cube designed for magic online because the idea with a synergistic cube like you said is because there are only so many cards in existence that really mesh well with that theme you want to yep. keep the number as low as you reasonably can but on the other hand presenting you know sort of the entire world with a cube on magic online means that you're going to have the grinders who want to jam the thing over and over and even the people who aren't grinding it still you know would like to enjoy a second or third draft and that means that you'd like to have ideally a higher number of cards so yep. yeah it finds itself in this really difficult spot where um you're either prioritizing you know the magic online audience or the true like synergistic nature of the cube mm -hmm. yeah and that is something that like in uh one of her videos where she talked like it's a vod and i think it might be on on youtube for her patrons i'm not sure but um she hinted at that um for paper use she would design a cube normally at 360 cards since you will not be drafting it as often and then you can control what is going to happen way better as the designer. So For sure. That, that makes some sense there. Especially when you have a theme cube. And I mean, that's just what you did also with, with your Star Wars cube. It's a very small cube. Like, a tiny cube. <laughs> <laughs> it is very small. Um, yeah, I, I think that's something that's going to come up a few times today. I've been doing a lot of thinking about that and really hoping to return to it soon. Um, but yeah, <laughs> one of the nice things about that is uh, 
if I, I mean, if I were asked to put that thing on Magic Online, I would have to, to like more than double it in size to get it to 600 cards. So, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah. So one one of the the things that um, we while we drafted stayed away from and felt like it would not be so so great is uh, there's an artifact theme in there for a few very powerful cards, artifact cards that interact with counters. But the other cards then don't really interact very well with um, the major theme. And um, we shied away from that. But I heard of some people in our Discord writing that they faced this deck and um, it was very strong. So I don't know. Maybe we misjudged it. But um, I'm at least certain that at a smaller cube size, it would be more potent and would interact with the rest of the cube better. Yeah, I think that one's a super tough one for me because you have, uh, I mean, the classic example, Arcbound Ravager, right? You have just a very good counter card that also synergizes with artifacts. And if you have an artifact theme and if you have a counter theme, then a card like that should fit really well. But then the question is, how well do the themes fit with each other? Um, and I don't know. I honestly haven't scoured the cards with the word counter on them well enough to know whether uh, am artifacts I <laughs> yeah i guess um and i mean and... i did also scour her cube list now since in in my in my peasant cube there's um, a counter theme for one of the color pairs for sure um yeah my biggest gripe um speaking of the artifact theme would be um, just a couple cards actually that I saw in one pick during our draft, the Memnite and Phyrexian Walker in the pack. I just, I looked at them and I thought, okay, they're zero mana. Uh, that probably means there's something silly going on, uh, in terms of, I don't know, using them to like sacrificing them to achieve some kind of goal, or maybe even a very aggressive game plan the, the walker as a zero three probably not doing a whole lot there yeah the walker is um, probably the absolute worst of, of those cards i mean yeah and for me like those cards are just stone unplayable in any limited format ever so that's where i had a hard time justifying them yeah maybe you just really need to want to do that and then you need to get the good cards also and then it can be a great deck, possibly. But maybe it's like a like a it's a meme deck, and it's fine to have those in your cube, I guess. Sometimes, I mean, you need to fill it out to six hundred cards, right? Yeah. 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 Um. All right. Do you want so, to move on? Well, one last not, thing. Not um. If there were a few other cards that were that were added late, um. We will also link the the list on Cube Copper, so you can also see from when Emma added which cards, um, what the process was a little bit. It's a bit hard because it was ported from Cube Tutor to Cube Copper during the design process, but the the last steps you can can follow on uh, Cube Copper. And in the end, she added the glue cards, as some people call them, like removal, like just interaction in general. But she also added a few just general strong cards for archetypes. And, for example, one of these cards was Hellrider. 
which I know you were a bit surprised to see in the queue. Oh man, Hellrider. Where do I start? <laughs> the best finisher in mono red. That's all. <laughs> yes. So, well, we we uh, we thought a bit about it, talked a bit about it, and it's a super strong card and it incentivizes you to draft mono red. Um, but I think the card's power level is so great that it kind of makes the the theme of the cube disappear a little bit, and it's quite a bit stronger than most other cards at least standalone like if you have to if like all your cogs are uh really creeping into each other and like your whole engine is working well then maybe it's not the best card you could have for four mana in red but in very many situations it just is so there was a little bit surprising to see it in there but yeah we will come back to this point later on so that's why i wanted to mention it shortly for sure I would say just um, overall, uh, like you said, I think that she was a little rushed with this, and I do really like a lot of the underlying like synergistic elements. I think maybe the best way to put this is, I think this is the kind of cube I'm really going to love playing in about a year after you know there's been some more time to make some tweaks. Um, yes, really hone in on like the artifact theme, for instance, and uh, yeah, I, and it had a very own feel. Like it, it was its own thing, and you need to reevaluate the cards. And um, it just feels different to other formats, and it was amazing. That's why I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, it's always nice to do something different. I mean, that's why we all come to the alternative play calendar, isn't it? Yes, that is. Uh, so speaking of the alternative play calendar, um, before Emma's Cube, we had Mystery Booster Draft. And this is a format that I was very excited about. Uh, I almost want to say <laughs> because other people were, um, because I, I've i never uh, played this format in paper. I got so close to being able to, uh, being able to go to a GP once and uh, try it out, but unfortunately I never had. And I know that um, this format was created to do an impression of Chaos Draft, um, and that is just <laughs> super exciting to me that like creating um you know a curated format to play like chaos draft is exactly like that is <laughs> my niche i guess um so i had really really high expectations going into this format i think i should say that up front um just because i really really love chaos draft like that's i wouldn't go so far as to say it's why i play magic but it is what i enjoy most from playing magic um and this format it felt like there were some really cool things you could do um i saw a couple really neat like synergistic things like i saw someone go off with um like eldrazi monument and sorcerer's broom which was really hilarious um, and yeah, I think some of the card choices, uh, were really excellent, but some of them, uh, were a little disappointing, um, in terms of power level, which again, I think we'll come back to in a second, but also actually in terms of the magic online playability. So one of the things that I noticed about this format is, um, so we didn't get an article about this. Uh, we got... I think a couple sentences and one of the sentences mentioned that 
Um, there were tweaks for Magic Online. Uh, of course, putting playtest cards uh, from the original Mystery Booster draft in paper onto Magic Online was not a um, possibility, so that seems like a pretty obvious tweak. Um, but actually, one of the first cards I noticed on the list was Ana Sanctuary. And Magic Online, while it is the only way I really play Magic uh, these days, it is by no means perfect. Um, and there are a bunch of bugged cards, and I did not expect to see any bugged cards in this list uh, after Especially reading that it was... Tweeted. Yeah. <laughs> like, right, what yeah. are you doing? <laughs> yeah, um, and that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, and I think, I think, frankly, there they were probably a little pressed for time on this. Uh, the fact that we didn't get an article about it, the fact that like they said there were tweaks, but we didn't know what they were. Um, and <laughs> I actually, I was interested in whether um, sanctuaries were working. So I actually fired up a test game just to find out. And unfortunately the bug is still there. Um, uh, so that yeah. was I didn't expect it to be gone, but yeah. Um, on the other hand, I heard about a bug with Cypher, um, the like Demir mechanic from the Return to Ravnica block, and I hadn't encountered this bug myself, but apparently the bug was that you had to pay full price to cast the copies of Cyphered cards. Oh, um, that makes them so great. Yeah. Um, but apparently uh, that bug is fixed. So yeah. I played with uh, Cypher card and it worked just fine. Right. And again, I never encountered this, so I'm, I can't say um, certainly that I know it happened, but I can say that, um, I mean, those cards definitely work. So that's, that's a nice change. Yeah, I had, um, I had some fun playing that format, but I didn't quite love it as much as I do Chaos or uh, as I did this Proliferate Cube, because sometimes there are some really feel-bad games in this, and um that for me comes down to them deciding that soldering is supposed to be a card in this format <laughs> and not like it's add uncommon no less yeah i don't even know like how common it is since like these boosters were like constructed in very peculiar way where like there's one old frame card and one artifact slot and one land slot or something like that and then one rare slot and uncommon slots and common slots like normal but like i don't know it was complicated and i don't really know what is going on and how often um soaring comes up but in like the five um the leagues i played myself and with you i did face it twice and yeah. i don't know that's a bit too much for my taste that's more than you see it in vintage cube yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, those specific card slots, I mean, first off, there's another instance where having an article about this format would have been a huge help. Um, but we've seen specific card slots work super well, in my opinion, for some formats. Uh, like we go back to uh, topic of the month, original Innistrad, uh, seeing flip cards, like having a slot dedicated to those, I thought was really sweet. Oh, yeah. um, mm -hmm. however these slots seemed kind of arbitrary and they like really kind of increased the variance in a 
um, exponential way, I guess. <laughs> and not to mention that it felt like the rare slots themselves, uh, the ones in the upper leftmost part of the draft, just like had very, very few cards uh, possible there. Because within the first day, I had seen Drana, the five mana, four, four flying unbeatable card from Rise of the Eldrazi um, three times. And <laughs> yeah, the same... pretty good set as well. Yeah. And same for Decree of Justice. And like, those are not cards you should be seeing anyway, right? Those are cards that one person opens the pack, they draft that card. It's a slam dunk. You don't even look at the other <laughs> 14 cards and you just hope you wheel something nice, right? Um, yeah. But instead, not only like were these things showing up multiple times, like a very large number of times, especially given like small number of drafts that I had done or seen on that first day, but people had to pass them because there were so many good cards in the packs that <laughs> you were getting bombs like fourth, fifth, sixth pick sometimes, like completely crazy cards, like uh, especially Decree of Justice, just going like disrespectfully late. And I assume that has to do with people trying to avoid white in the format, but, or maybe just not knowing how good the card is. Um, but it was very, very strange. Um, oh, and then the other side of, uh, of the coin, um, of course, this is much less impactful on the format, but some sometimes, um, you know, I sit down to start a draft of Mystery Booster Draft, and I open up a Soul Ring, and you sit down to start one, and one of your cards, in the rare slot, by the way, is a one with nothing. Um, <laughs> and so kind of going back to that Phyrexian Walker kind of idea and i actually it's hilarious because i think mem knight was in this format too and actually i think ornithopter was too yes um, i think they're both in yes yeah and it's just like <laughs> how do you conceive of people using these cards in a like powerful way in their deck like i i think that in the original format there were a bunch of cards that were uh just kind of fun or cool uh because it didn't have to appeal to people who just liked chaos draft because it wasn't a phantom format you could put cards in there for commander players cards in there for popper players that kind of thing but with this format no one's keeping the cards and yeah, that's true like this would have been a perfect area for some tweaks like if you're getting a soul ring at least give me a black lotus you know <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, and that's, I mean, I say that uh, totally tongue-in-cheek. I don't think either of those cards should be in the format. But the point is, uh, when you just have cards about as far apart as they can possibly be on the spectrum of power level, you create some very, very bad field or field bads, yeah. Yeah, but not in every game and every, maybe not even every league, you you uh, face, like, a Sol Ring. And apart from that, I think some games were really enjoyable. Like, they did manage to have a big card pool um, of of cards that fit in multiple different archetypes, and they really built archetype decks in the end. 
Like yeah, they I had absolutely a black did. green self mill deck that was really really just doing that and was very nice. It was also a bit bomby anyway, but um yeah, they still have done some very nice games and I can understand why people like this so much. Um but yeah, I think basically what you are saying is it could have been tweaked a bit more for the purpose of being played on Magic Online as a phantom event when it's tweaked anyway. But yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, normally when I do chaos drafts, I don't uh, spend a whole lot of time thinking about synergy because there's generally not much to be had. But this format, I was actually very, very impressed by the amount of synergy going on. Granted, you had some kind of stinky cards. Um, like I was going to talk about how I saw like the mono green, like dedicated elf deck come together multiple times. Uh, but then I also saw Wellwisher going past 10th pick maybe 10 times or something. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. So I really enjoy that. Um, I, I would call the themes lighter, even though it feels like they were fairly obvious just because there are so many cards in the format that the way it shakes out, uh, you really have to do some detective work to see that um, support for these archetypes is actually there. Or you have to get really lucky in opening the right like sequence of cards, I guess. Um, but yep. another couple archetypes, like non-tribal ones, um, I noticed there's actually a lot of support for blue-white blink and also a lot of support for like a green-white uh, kind of aggro enchantment based deck which um, I mean both of those seemed like really fun uh, archetypes the whole uh, aura nalit thing or um, more like a bunch of just umbras and um, like the three mana two two in green and white that draws you a card whenever you cast an enchantment um, I think the green and white um, six mana aura from Ravnica that gives a thing flying, and then when it deals combat damage to a player, you make that many sapperlings. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 There was actually, I, I don't know if I'm forgetting, I'm probably forgetting a bunch, but uh, there was more support than I expected for that archetype. I did draft green white once, but uh, it didn't look anything like that. It was just green white with some token go wide support and that also worked quite well yeah and that's another really interesting thing about this format it's totally possible that uh when they were creating it they were thinking about green white as a color identity and so they just threw a bunch of like aggressive aura cards in there and they threw a bunch of like go wide cards in there thinking that um you know people could easily see the cards for either or like both um do you want to talk about um like the pros and cons of having very powerful cards in a format yeah um i was i was thinking about about that specifically also because we had this feeling with some of the cards in emma's cube but also with here the mystery booster draft and uh i was thinking there must be some reasons why people do this and some good reasons even though our first our first inclination was to say, oh, we don't like this. And um, 
one of the first first things that came to my mind is to say, well, these cards are just exciting to most players, I guess. It's exciting when you open them. You say, yes, I did it. I opened the Soul Ring or yes, I have the, um, I got past the, the Hell Rider I need for my red deck. And I think that is one thing that stays with people and that makes magic exciting in a way. Like it's part of where magic works. Yeah. You get excited I, about these cards. I was just thinking about um, how out of the five drafts of the format you did, two of them you played against Soul Ring. Like, how ecstatic would you have been if two out of the five drafts you were the one with the Soul Ring, right? Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Stakes <laughs> are not high enough there to excite me there. But sure. uh, certainly some people will be. And um, for me, I do also get excited if I get um powerful cards especially if they are a little bit more cute and or have to synergize with my deck like in uh i was drafting black green i think already pack one and pack two i opened um or was passed i think i opened uh the git rock monster and that was really exciting to me like sure it's kind of a bomb and but it, it's, it stays with you like it's nice to get powerful cards and the Gitrock monster is probably a much better card than than the average common in this format. And yeah, there's there's a power discrepancy there, but it can be a good thing. Yeah, and I think that is just kind of speaking to the kind of card Gitrog is too. It's not the card the kind of card where, you know, like Soul Ring, you absolutely put it in every deck, you don't really think about it, and it makes your deck better a hundred percent of the time. Um, granted it's probably closer to that than I'm giving it credit for, but it feels to me like it's the kind of card that's more synergistic. Like you were talking about having a green black, like self mill deck. And to me that, you know, screams synergy more than just raw power. Yeah, sure. But the card doesn't really need that anyway. And, no. and one of the, the, the cons to that is these cards, then they dominate the games they played in, right? They, everything is about them now. Can they can they answer it? Can they answer it maybe a second time if you have something to bring them back? And like once you have the Gitrock monster, why do I even care about self milling anymore? Right. I mean, sure, yeah. I draw a few more cards, but does it really matter? <laughs> it, that actually takes me back to, um, I think a draft I had done of Hour of Devastation, and I first picked the Scorpion God. And a couple of the cards in the next pack were, um, I think, Blur of Blades, the card that puts a negative negative one counter on something and you deal two damage to the creature's controller, and Lethal Sting. Um, and there were some people shouting at me that I should have picked either of those cards because they're synergistic. And I, <laughs> my reply was something along the lines of, when you pick a card because it's good with the best card in your deck... It has to be good outside of that, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, everything is good with the Scorpion God. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good by itself, anyway. Yeah. Right. But it can be a fun drafting experience to still do that. Like, For sure. It's like might, maybe it you... might not be optimal for winning, but it, it still can be great to do it. <laughs> I also right. want to shout at you to pick those. Cards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can. You can <laughs> look up the video now and you can <laughs> add can to write the some comments. angry comments, yeah. I <laughs> maybe I should do that. <laughs> I heard about this instant on the podcast. 
What are you doing? <laughs> You'd really be furious when you found out that uh, the scorpion god didn't even make my deck. Oh. <laughs> if only you build around them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then have a deck of ten red and black cards. Anyway. Um, yeah. And then coming back to these these strong cards in like cards that are like heads and shoulders. Maybe not quite heads and shoulders, but the head above the rest of the format. Um, another thing that I was thinking about was that they can just support archetypes, like with micro synergies, I guess, um, without you having to commit too many cards to them. And uh, maybe a sneak attack would be an example of that. It's a card that changes the evaluation of other cards so much that... Um, if it gets opened and you pick it, uh, you can really build a deck around this sneak attack. Might need to have something to actually also draw it, but um, the card by itself it made, makes an archetype if it's opened, and that is one of those drivers for um, for the vintage cube. Why so many people like that? Because there are so many decks in one or two cards that can really change the the, the course of of your draft. Yeah. Another really nice thing about that is they play well together. Um, they're not like one or two card decks that exist within this bubble. Uh, they overlap pretty nicely. Um, like if you're interested in a sneak attack, then you're probably interested in like, I don't know, an Oath of Druids or a Show and Tell. Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, Show and Tell, yeah, we can debate whether the card's any good later, but... Um, I wouldn't. I would say no, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but it feels so good when it works. <laughs> it does feel good when it works. And also, if you have these these cards that um, just are strong in a way, it just increases the variance a bit. Like if if cards are roughly the same strength, everybody is more on equal footing. Then some cards are just stronger than others. Yeah. And depending on how like important fairness is to you like i mean for example from um from the commander crowd that is defending um soaring in their format you often hear the argument that it's a casual format and uh it's it's fine if somebody gets broken draws and yeah it's it because of the, the game is of no big consequence and um it's still a social thing or whatever and um, if you're building your cube and you decide to include some cards that are more powerful than others and you think, well, it gives everybody a chance to to get something broken from time to time and win the draft because of that, not because they played so well, that's that's an okay decision, I guess. You can you can make that. But in most cases, I kind of dislike this variance you add. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, one, another counter-argument uh, that I actually heard from Nat Go, who's in our Discord. Uh, they were talking about how when you have um, things that are really even power level, um, sure, you as the cube creator might have strong opinions about what to pick, even at that uh, similar power level. But it makes decisions really difficult for people who are new to the cube. If you uh, look at a pack and they're isn't a single card that stands out above the rest. How do you ever make a decision? Um, so. Oh yeah, yeah. That's 
But I mean, then you just pick what you want to do. If you can trust the cube creator that all cards are roughly equal power level, then you just pick what you feel you want to do at the moment. If you feel like you want to reanimate something, pick a reanimator card. If you feel like you want to play some aggro, pick a red burn spell or a white creature and then see if it's open or change your position. And it also, I mean, it also teaches you to not be too married to your first pick also if you think all the next, I don't know, let's say next 14, if we play with 15 card boosters, if the next 14 cards are roughly still the same power level, you don't have to be married to your first pick. You can still reevaluate freely and rethink about what is going on and what you should be drafting. Right. For the sake of being thorough, I would say like the continuation of the like devil's advocate argument is like it's really tough to read signals after that first pick too. Um because yeah. But on the other hand, um and again, specifically for 15 card boosters, um it's really hard to like draft a cube where every card is at least pretty good and not end up with enough playables for a deck like you can force a deck that's almost entirely not open um and because like 45 total cards is just so many to get what 23 that yeah, yeah. you can you can still wind up with something playable yeah but it's true that if you have very strong cards by themselves in your in your cube or in your set um they send stronger signals like if i'm getting pick one a fourth pick hell rider in almost any cube that will mean to me that the red aggressive deck is open yep like if i'm if i'm at least relatively sure that this must be the strongest card in this archetype and i'm getting it late that's a clear signal whereas if i'm getting a few red cards for a while and then maybe there's nothing in the boost because boosters tend to be random especially in cube draft it's, it's much harder to read the read the um the, the signals uh i mentioned that innistrad is the set of the month earlier and it is back um next year it's coming back in two whole sets but for right now we have a couple events on the alternative play calendar one of them uh, which is currently happening, is Supreme Draft. And after that, of course, we will have our traditional um, Triple Innistrad flashback for Halloween. Um, so that will be next week? That's right. Yep. Um, but in the meantime, um, we have Supreme Draft, and it's on Innistrad, and that's what we were told. And the first thing that that made me think of was spider swatting because what does everyone remember about Innistrad? <laughs> what does everyone love to do when the Innistrad flashbacks come around? I mean, people really, really love spider spawning to the extent that I don't know if I've ever had a good like spider spawning deck because people are constantly <laughs> forcing it. Um, and yeah, what should have like you huh? Should have played in store at the time a bit. There, the message doesn't spread so fast. You can have some fun there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. I heard a lot of. I mean, it's the same people. Actually, it's funny you say that. Uh, from what I know, it's the same people who 
had those great in-store memories that are trying to relive them on Magic Online. But unfortunately, you know, the field is pretty knowledgeable. A lot of people trying to oh, do yeah. the same thing. Bit of a hive mind there. Um, anyway, um, it it sounded to me like uh, an Innistrad Supreme Draft would be the perfect way for people to relive their spider spawn spawning memories by effectively playing constructed just con- constructed spider spawning you play three mirror matches against the <laughs> the spider spawning deck or maybe maybe only two um and you know the games probably last like 20 turns each uh <laughs> <laughs> everybody's gaining 60 life oh yeah they're not to the Nos bones to the bone. yeah <laughs> yep you just do really insane things you know make lsv proud and uh i don't know to me I it mean, sounds it, it, it sounds, sounds kind of horrible but i mean it's i actually scary, think right? it sounds like... yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think it sounds really uh fun for about one game not even one match but just one game just to see like how things go but then after that i think i would be done um but i'm, I'm very good done news, at that point because at that point you can after the first league where you played only mirror matches, you can start thinking about how you specifically need to build your deck to beat only this deck. <laughs> start so, picking the curses of oblivion higher to <laughs> yuck. I don't know, like it is at least interesting for a while, but I'm happy we are not playing this format. Right. Yeah. The whole illustration of that was just to say that ooh, we faded that one. Uh we've been given actually um another really funny thing about this format so we've been given supreme draft of four of the five sets on the plane of innistrad uh which one did they four leave of the out five, you say yeah <laughs> hmm. <sighs> do you know which one they left out uh was it triple innistrad or original innistrad itself was that it yeah probably probably, probably. Do not make us have to play spider spawning right yeah nobody liked that set no um <laughs> yeah so they got rid of avacyn restored and just like us just now it's almost as if they're pretending it didn't exist um because <laughs> i two chaos draft seasons ago uh it yeah. was like every um i think it was every third set something like that of a lot of blocks showed up and All the small sets or something like that yeah yeah something like that uh but there was one small set left out <laughs> oh <laughs> i know it's the child who uh on the playground who has no one to play with but um yeah i mean <laughs> i would I mean, actually if it I would... wouldn't have been if it wouldn't have been an asshole to everybody at first then <laughs> this all could have been avoidable right i actually think i would really enjoy an article about um about avacyn restored just acknowledging that yes, we did make this set, and yes, we're trying to <laughs> avoid going back to that kind of. Yeah, I think I level. will go back to um, Maro's podcast. Um, I'm not sure this episode exists, but probably there's normally always a lessons learned uh, episode for each set. Um, and the thing is, limited is not really a main emphasis there. But uh, I'm not wondering what what he had to say about that because these these podcasts are most of the time pretty honest. Yeah, and you can really learn something from them. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, 
I think that's probably a good place to listen for that kind of thing. From a commander perspective, I think Avacyn Restored is actually one of the best sets maybe ever <laughs> because there are just so many extremely like high-powered mythics, uh, crazy angels and demons, and yeah. So yeah, with that out of the way, um, I haven't done any of these Innistrad Supreme Drafts um, myself. I think I might do one or two. Um, again, one of the main problems I have with uh, Supreme Draft just as a creation is that, in my opinion, the word draft just really doesn't belong in the name um, because, yeah. like, the way I think of it, um, you know, a lot of the people who play Limited play to draft the hard way, right? They play to read the signals to find out where they're supposed to be. They play for the, like, incremental advantages and the tight technical play. Um, they don't play because they want to play one specific deck. And, like, that's what Constructed is there for, right? And Constructed <laughs> is great for yeah. that. So I yeah. think Supreme Draft is really good at allowing people to play one specific deck, and I actually Not even that I feel like because you can't see what you will get with what will be in these in these boosters and the rares really make up so much of the of the deck in the end. It's yeah. pretty random. It's a bit like gambling. I don't know. Like you start down a path and then you really hope to always open a good card in your respective uh, boosters and you are it has some very exciting packs like instantaneous reward or i don't know like yeah i don't personally i don't like it but it, if when you watch it or when you play it, it while you're doing it it is kind of exciting just then later on or when i'm thinking about starting one right now i don't feel like it but while i'm doing it i'm kind of enjoying it i guess it's a bit weird <laughs> yeah the main um thing i would have to say as a rebuttal would be um specifically when i think of the modern horizon supreme draft format um you could see someone say okay i'm going to draft the crab deck and oh, yeah and would... that one that was really like that because in yeah. that format you have so strong commons that you can rely on getting that this one really devolved very 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 quickly into meta games and yeah but I think with this one, it's a little bit different. Right. Um, and yeah, I think what you said is a fair point. Um, the other half of what I was going to say is, yeah, you know, someone says, I'm going to draft the crab deck. And from the start of the draft till the end of the draft, their thought process doesn't change. They just draft the crab deck. Or maybe they <laughs> yes. do the same thing with the ninja deck, right? Yeah. But um, even with, uh, like, only original Innistrad Supreme Draft... You're not guaranteed a spider spawning, so it's not like you can count on getting there, right? Um, the way you can with the commons in the Modern Horizons uh, Supreme Draft format. So yeah. I think that that's a uh, good response, I guess. Yeah. So you said that there's something else exciting coming up. Commander Legends, you said, will be available soon. Yeah. So what I'm not excited about is there is a week-long gap on the alternative play calendar but i totally understand why wizards does this um they want to make way for these new exciting formats i personally as a player like having as many options as possible both 
in game and on a meta level, I guess, playing the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Commander Legends. Um, I'm not a big Commander player, but I do actually spend a surprising amount of time thinking about the format. Um, I used to play more uh, before I got really, really into limited, and uh, I <laughs> honestly, I just. I'm so interested to see how this format works. Like I, it's less even that I want to play it and more that I want to know what will happen. And will we be seeing more of this? Like, is this going to be like one of players favorite limited experiences ever? Okay. So Um. please, I know nothing about this. (laughs) Limited, you said. I'm starting to get interested. Right. Uh, so it is a draft format, okay. uh, no, uh, asterisk on it, like Supreme draft and, um, the packs are 20 cards. So that's a big difference. Um, and okay. pretty much the deal is you are going to build a 60 card deck. Um, and I actually don't know if we have any information about whether 60 is a minimum and a maximum or just a minimum. Uh, because I know an actual commander, right, you have a 99-card library, and then your commander starts in the command zone unless you are doing stuff with partner or whatever. Um, yep. But in this format, uh, I think the only information we have so far is that you make a 60-card deck, which to me sounds like a 59-card library and presumably uh, one commander in the command zone if you're doing it that way. Um, but... Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't really know if you would yeah. want to go to 61 or 70 or whatever. Um, like, Probably you know, there are only so many. Right. Um, but, yeah, pretty much how it works is um, we were talking about specific card slots earlier. Uh, there are slots dedicated to legendary creatures pretty reasonably, much like um, Dominaria. It's a format where you... I mean, it's like starting with a companion, um, sort of, right? Uh, albeit a, albeit a much weaker companion. Um, and the idea is that there are so many legends, um, that everybody is going to get one. But even if you fall into that nightmare of not being able to get one, or um, equally awkward, say you end up red green and you have a legendary creature that's just red how do you uh have a commander for that deck right without having that red green color identity um there's actually a card that's going to function um comparably to a basic land i believe it is a five mana three three um and what it says i think um is that it's either all colors or the colors of your choice i think it's probably all colors um and it has partner, and it can be your commander, um, of course. Oh, I think so, I have actually seen this card. I think that's the only card I've seen because it has fantastic Sep McKinnon art, I believe. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Um, and it's such a bizarre card. It almost reminds me of uh, like the Adaptive Shimmerer from Ikoria, just a colorless 5-mana 3-3. Three, three. It's not oh, an artifact, not an Eldrazi. Yeah. Love that card. Um, but... I, as much as, you know, the words five mana, three, three, no real abilities kind of makes me sick. This card is actually the perfect solution, in my opinion, to this 
you know, corner case, but still very real problem of what if you don't get the right uh, commander? Um, And again, right. And it has partner too, which um, like I was saying, so if you end up with that red, mono red um, legendary creature in your red green deck, suddenly you just um, have a 58 card library in that red legendary creature and the colorless, whatever it is, 3-3 thing that I don't remember the name of, uh, start in the command zone. Um, I have another question, though. It's commander draft. Does that mean it's multiplayer? Yeah. um, From what I can tell, it actually is multiplayer. And if I'm remembering... Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'll have to double check uh, to see whether I have this correct, but I believe... Um, you play against people who are in your pod, and I think because it's multiplayer, I think that's it. I think you play, um, like one game, if I remember correctly. I'll have to double check that, but, um, So it's then four players, like, most of the time, Commander, or all eight? I believe you split into two four-player groups. I think that's the idea. Yeah. Well, that sounds very interesting. We did talk about that we think what was the what was the reason why we talked about it but we talked about the possibility of having a two-headed giant draft yeah you know ironically that was back when we were speculating about uh what supreme draft could be (laughs) all right all right very interesting well right i mean we did talk about multiplayer draft though and uh i think yeah i'm looking forward to trying this out yeah um one of the things that I was thinking about, and I was really excited about this. Um, so we very briefly earlier in the podcast mentioned um, my Star Wars cube. And my Star Wars cube is really characterized by a lot of legendary creatures. And so mm-hmm. you can probably see where I'm going with this. I really wanted to Ooh. know if this would be the kind of thing that we could do like in our Discord. If it would be possible for, um, I'm not sure about multiplayer games, but at least... 1v1 quote-unquote 60 card commander games um and i don't know the answer to that one yet um but it really just got me thinking because so many um of the archetypes in my star wars cube are really again very strongly characterized by these legendary creatures so for instance you have dapala um the red white uh legendary creature that pumps dwarves and uh vehicles and yeah yeah and yeah just like the perfect like signpost like commander (laughs) not signpost uncommon uh (laughs) or for that deck so i would love to see if that um that could be a possibility for us but regardless uh i'm planning on coming back to this cube uh we've gotten uh through the double masters season uh so you know i created an artifact synergy format then wizards uh created it and then <laughs> now theirs is gone and we can return to mine. <laughs> yeah. I really look forward to playing that cube again. That was a blast last time. I have to, while we're on the topic, uh, mention one card that absolutely should have been in the format the first time because um, I knew this card existed, uh, but I just wasn't thinking about it, I guess, when I built the format. So it's called Tanos Urza's Apprentice. It's one blue and one red for a human artificer. Uh, it's legendary, and it's a 1-3. It has haste. 
and it has one ability other than haste, which is pay a blue and a red, tap it. You copy target activated or triggered ability you control from an artifact source. You may choose new targets for the copy. So just thinking about Thanos with spell bombs is <laughs> enough for me to say, okay, it's time. We need we need to draft. It's time, yes. Yeah. <sighs> Let's see how the draft will go next time. People should yeah. know by now. That <laughs> spell these, bombs uh, are spell bombs pack one, pick one. <laughs> yeah. Not in every pack, but I could see it. It would have to be a pretty weak pack, but Head, yeah, yeah. The, the power level is relatively high. But anyway, it's at least a fun pick one, pick one, even though it might look a bit innocent. For sure. I think that's about it for today. I hope you enjoyed this. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Uh, hope that if you're interested in what we were describing, you'll check out our Discord. Uh, the link will be uh, right next to this video. Or and, yeah. podcast. Yeah. Yeah, see you soon. See you soon. Bye-bye.